Good morning. It's good to have you. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, be in a community that serves the greater community. We're going to continue on our series on doctrine. We started quite a while ago. Uh, we're on doctrine number nine, the doctrine of the church, and we're in kind of a little mini-series in that. We started last week, what is what the church is. Uh, this week, we're going to do what the church does. Uh, we got to define it first, uh, then we got to give it marching orders, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. Uh, before we do, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessings that you give us in our individual lives. Lord, can't name those all, but I can think of the blessings we're going to talk about today in our meeting, the ways that you bless this church. Thank you for that. But thanks, Lord, uh, mostly that we're in a system, your system, that actually works. And it's not just a bunch of stories from a long time ago, but they're things that are practical, that make sense. Tell us of your true nature and the things that you're still doing. And so we thank you for your willingness to let us be involved. And so as we talk about your church, pray you would show us what we need to know. How do we fit in? What do we do? So pray, uh, Lord, that this, uh, this time, this focus on a passage will edify your church and honor you. Glorify your son. We pray all that in your son Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. All right. Uh, if I ask you about something, you got to define it, right? If I asked you who you are and you started telling me all the things you do, well, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I work at a church, I coach soccer. Well, that's all stuff you do. Who are you is a different question. Uh, so uh, when we ask about the church, we want to define it first. What is the church? So last week we talked about the origin of the church, the purpose of the church, the future of the church, a bunch of that kind of stuff. Uh, we spent very little time last week talking about what does the church do? Because you've got to define it first. You've got to know your identity. Once you've done that, you've got to move on to what you do, right? Because if you have something and you know what it is, but you never use it, you don't know what it does. Start to wonder and question its value, right? It's like a chainsaw, isn't it? It's like a chainsaw. Oh, no. What is a chainsaw? What is that? Well, it's black. It's orange. It's white. It's about yay long. Got a protective cover for the blade. Got to put oil on it so the chain moves, right? If you touch the chain, oil gets on your fingers, right? Takes gas. It's got a starter. It's got a control. It's got a choke. Got a place to put in the oil. You got a safety feature. In case you're cutting and the thing pops up on you, your arm hits the safety feature. Automatic stop. Never try to start it or run it with the safety on because nothing happens and you can spend 15 minutes trying to figure out why your brand new chainsaw is broken. Because <laughs> you didn't do this. 
What is it? Is it a paperweight? It's a tool, right? You know, you talk about a chainsaw for a long time without talking about what does it actually do? You know? And if all you did is use it as something, a decoration on the wall of the garage or to hold something down, you wouldn't know that it actually cuts like butter. <laughs> Bought this chainsaw a little while ago. We had a mishap at the family cabin. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But I needed to bring a visual so you guys can get the idea that the church is not the church if all you do is define the church. At some point, the church has to be active. It has to actually accomplish something. Set goals, meet goals. What a great day to talk about what the church does when we're having family meeting in an hour to talk about what the church did and what the church is going to do. Last week we covered why. What a great day. Someone's very excited. I hope you'll join in the excitement. This morning, I want us to get into Matthew chapter 28. I want us to define what the church does, and I want to do it in just three verses, probably three of the most famous verses in some circles, especially the Southern Baptist Convention circles, because you pretty much can't have a potluck without mentioning these three verses if you're SBC, and you pretty much can't be SBC unless you have a potluck, right? So uh, we're going to look at this, and this is one of um, really Jesus' most famous last words uh, with the disciples. And he said a bunch of things like, don't worry, I'm going, but I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's going to be a banqueting table. There's many rooms. We're going to heaven. And don't worry, because if it wasn't going to be this way, I would have told you. In the midst of all that, one of the last things he says is Matthew chapter 28. There's only 28 chapters in Matthew. And these are the last few verses. And there's only three of them we're going to cover today. We're setting a new record for shortest passage we covered on a Sunday morning in the history of Rock Bible Church. Usually it's a whole chapter and we bang through it and the whole thing. Sorry, because I got three verses that I could probably do 12 weeks on if I had the time. I won't ever do that to you because we never go in that depth. You got to take a seminary class for that. But we are going to at least spend today on these three verses because I want you to be clear on what does the church do. One, so you can start doing it. Two, so that you can explain it. Because you're going to leave here at some point. You're going to be out on the street. And someday, somewhere with someone, you're going to have a conversation. And they're going to say, hey, what's church like? And you're going to start with, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. Because we say it all the time. Because I've trained you. But the longer that conversation goes, I'm hoping that you get to this somehow. So that we know that the church is more than Christ's bride, started by him, his purpose, his inheritance, those that are going to be in heaven later. You see, at some point, someone's going to ask you, yeah, but what is your church like? What do they do? And I was sitting in the back this morning before first service, praying for them, and uh some of you get that. <laughs> I, we were worshiping, we were singing, and, uh, and Howard was singing, singing, leading, and everybody was into it. And we were having a great time. Uh, and all these people standing, and I thought to myself, how cool that we're in a building, it's painted, it's lighted, the seats are comfortable, there's warm, be warm beverages and tasty food and restrooms at work. and all. How does that happen? 
And I was watching, people were standing while we were singing. And then Howard sat down, and I got up, and I started teaching. Everybody sat down. What a sad commentary if the description of the church is, you know, hey, what's your church like? Well, they sing to us, and we stand. Then they talk to us, and we sit. <laughs> That's our church. Yeah, but what, what does it do? They give us donuts, provide us a bathroom. They leave the lights on while we're there. Comfortable chairs. It's kind of comedic as an example. It's tragic if it's a reality. My excitement is that our church actually does things. And I've been panicked all week trying to figure out how in 45 minutes I'm going to try to explain everything we've done in the last year, what we want to do in the next year, and then maybe some dreams beyond that. No worries. I think we got a good plan. It's going to be awesome because you've learned, and today we're going to discuss and define that the church is active. Amen? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Here we go. Jesus came and said to them, right as he's leaving, all authority in heaven on and on earth has been given to me. How good is that? Kevin likes it. All authority on heaven and on earth. Why is that good? You know what he just said? He said, I'm the boss. It's kind of what he said, right? Why would you like that? I don't like having a boss. Unless you really like your boss. If you have a great boss and he's the head of the whole organization, what did you just get? What do you have? Explain it. The lottery. <laughs> You've kind of won the lottery. Functionally, how? If you're connected to the top guy and he has all authority everywhere, you have direct access. How great is that? You know what the problem is with some other, some other religious models? There's middlemen, intermediaries, extra steps between you and the top guy. Can we just skip all that? Can we skip all the stuff in the middle? Can I just go directly to the top? Can I speak to the manager? Right? Uh, this is great news for us because what we're finding out is that Jesus has all authority, not some authority, not most of the authority, not just the important authority, not occasional, and not just in certain places. But God the Father has decided that Jesus is in charge, period. One of the great things that Jesus tells us in the cross, at the crucifixion, is the veil is torn. We now have direct access to the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is who? Jesus. It says, now, if I'm in charge, I'm running the show, and I have all the ability and all the permission and all the responsibility, let's have some fun. What does he say next? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go, we're going to make disciples of our favorite people, Competitive people? Just the people who have gifts and talents and maybe a little money? Just the people we like? Just the ones with hair? 
only certain fans? No, everybody. What are we going to do with it? We're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're going to teach them to observe. Observe? Why not just teach them to think? Why, why not just give them the right definitions? You know, whatever they do with that, that's what they do. Why not just make sure that they're clear? No. Could have said that. Say, so says, observe. What does observe imply? That you're going to. You're going to watch and you're going to do. You're going to learn and you're going to actually regurgitate, right? Reproduce it. Folks, if the God experience is not re reproducible in your life, go do something else. Because one, you're wrong. It is reproducible. But what you're doing isn't working and you need a new pattern so that it can become reproducible and he gets your attention. The reality is it should be functional because God's system works. He's not done yet. And his main commodity is blessing. Amen? Teach them to observe. Why? So they can get the blessing. Get a good, positive experience. Observe some of the things I've commanded. All of the things. Why? Because if you don't pour all of the priming water into the pump and then start pumping the pump, what happens? Nothing. I saved a cup because I wanted to drink it and just in case the pump doesn't work. I remember hearing this story. You know, it's a hypothetical. You find a pump in the middle of the desert and you're dying of starvation. It has one bottle with a bunch of water in it. It says, drink the water and live for a little while or use all the water to prime the pump and pump for a while and you'll have water for the rest of your life. What would you do? When I was younger, I'm drinking the water. Now that I'm older, I'm wondering if a little patience, a little belief, a little faith. How about if I do all of it and see how soon it can work? You figure out to stop asking how long will it take and start asking how soon will it happen? There's a change in positive to negative, from negative, right? Teaching them to observe all that I have asked you suggested, wondering if, why commanded? What's command? Authority. What's command? Imply. You're going to have to do it, right? You're going to have to respond and react and comply. It expects active. Love that. Uh, all that I've commanded you, and behold... I'm going to hold your hand the whole time. I like to translate it that way. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't know what that means. Let's just start thinking about if he's here, is he going to be active? Is he going to help me? Is he going to hold my hand? Is he going to give me his constructions? Is he going to give me correction? Is he going to get my attention when I have it the wrong direction? Is he going to encourage me when I do the right thing? Is he going to praise me? Or is he just kind of, yeah, I'll be right behind you. As in there, but not involved. Yeah, that's a lot of people's vision of who God is. Yeah, he's there, but he's kind of like a chainsaw that doesn't work. Doesn't do anything. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? How do we be a church? 
that's more than a definition. We build a great product, but then we actually use it. See, the worst thing for a chainsaw is to sit. Coach high school soccer, coach a little club soccer. I love yelling at the kids. Oh, he's so mean. No. Yelling instruction. <coughs> Why? So they hear it. One of my favorite things to yell? You're stationary and silent. What's implied? You're not doing anything. And no one knows about you. Man, if you, if you want to give instructions, say something. If you want instructions, say something. But get moving and get vocal. Otherwise, I got a spot for you on the bench. It's very relaxing. Is it true in the church? Is it possible to be stationary and silent in the church? Absolutely. Is there a bench in the church? Yes, it's the biggest bench in any sport. <laughs> now here's the reality. I want a big bench. Some people need to come and be stationary and be silent and heal and recover and think and contemplate and be challenged. And maybe they need a donut and a coffee and a restroom and the lights on and it needs to be warm because they're trying to battle through it. Great. But eventually we got to get to a place of action. Because if all it does ever is just sit there, you wasted your money. So last week we talked about what the church is. This week, what does the church do? What the church does? Well, number one, God's church worships. Amen? Do you know what you just said? Well, I thought I did until you asked that question. Now I'm not sure and I ain't going to answer. Right? What is worship? Praise. Okay, that's good. Thank you for the Sunday school answer. Give me another one. Prayer. Okay. What are you doing? When you worship, like define it and tell me what are you actually doing? What are you accomplishing? What's the purpose? Acknowledging a relationship. I have a relationship with my dog, but I do not worship him. Far from. Adoration. That's a great word. Celebrating. Are you giving attention? Are you acknowledging something? Let me ask you this. Do we worship so that God knows how good he is? He kind of knows that already, right? Are we making him feel better in his self-esteem? And why worship? What, what's the purpose of worship? Praise the Lord. Why? Why praise the Lord? What's the purpose of worshiping, praising the Lord, showing adoration, praying to him? Why talk to him at all? If he knows everything and can do everything and is only doing some of it and may not actually even answer you in the way you want to be answered, then why talk to him at all? Okay. Are we doing something for him? Not really. Who are we actually doing it for? So let me ask you this. Where does worship happen? Don't say church either. <laughs> it happens at church, right? Read your Bible and pray. Uh, somebody said first service, uh, worship can happen anywhere. How does it happen everywhere, right? How does it happen everywhere? 
Because if it's not for God, it happens here. And? And your head. Well, that's good because your head and your heart are never wrong. Oh, wait a minute. You ever have a wrong thought? Okay. Do you ever have a wrong feeling or emotion? Are you sure? I thought your heart never lies to you. No, my emotions, my feelings are mine. You can't discredit them. I can if they're wrong. How can your head be wrong, but your heart's not wrong? In fact, both you can get your head and your heart wrong at many times. The purpose of worship is to set yourself straight. To acknowledge who he is and who you are as well. What are the limitations between the two? And where should we be going? How cool is that? Right? In fact, worship puts you in a better place. Because it takes you off of yourself. The biggest problem you're ever going to have, one is not politics. Can we say amen to that? Right? Uh, everybody in politics is going to be gone in like eight years. Amen to that. Right? This is what worship is. Worship is when his church actively acknowledges God. And that's what we did. There's no shame looking like a fool. Yes, Scott, you're very good at it. Uh, was that worship? Or is that just like good psychology and um, encouragement for your self-esteem? There's no shame looking like a fool. Is that worship? Could be. I'd argue that it is. But now you've got to define it why. Because shame's not important, ultimately. God has other things to teach you. You never need be ashamed. Looking like a fool is not important. Because you will, what you look like is not important. Amen? Amen? Yes, because I look worse every day. It's just getting worse, right? Past, my kids told me the other day, yeah, at 25 you start dying. <laughs> it's like, What? Yeah, science has proven that. You stop reproducing cells uh, as fast as they're dying right around age 25. So, Dad, you've been dying for a long time. <laughs> said, yes, I know. I have a mirror. <laughs> There's no shame in looking like a fool because we have a God who's above and beyond both. Now I'm not worried about it. And I'm training myself to rethink Redirect, redefine. How cool is that? Think the chainsaw ever felt shame? Or ever looked like a fool? Probably not. Got close, though, and I'm going to show you pictures about it later. Okay? See, number one, the church worships by actively acknowledging God. Verse 19 says it this way, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Golly, that's inefficient. Can't you just say baptizing them? Why in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit? Well, because we have to make sure we get the doctrine of the Trinity in there. No, he can do that many other ways. When he does that, he says this. Here's why. To make sure we are founded and grounded again in our definition of what the church is. Now you can go do something. 
But if you're off at all on what the church is, then stop doing anything. You're going to mess something up. Get back to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the definition of who we are. Now we can start doing some things. See, even in our practice, our first thing is our definition of God as the center of the church. See, God is the church. By the way, I would point this out. The other thing that happens is in, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is you get the longest little clause in the whole three verses right there. Now, is that significant or is that just me being a nerd and observing something that's insignificant? I would say that God is very accurate in his economy of words. And when he uses them, he uses them on purpose. And we use a lot of them in certain ways. That should be significant. And in fact, we've got an example in four Gospels. You got anything else in the Bible covered four times? Nope. See, I'd say that when he makes that long extended thing, he's trying to draw attention so that we can actively acknowledge who God is. Right? Absolutely love the way he does that. Number two, uh, God's church disciples. His church disciples. Uh, look at that little verse there. In fact, it's at the top right there. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's the command in that sentence? Go. I know. It's got to be go. Because I heard that command from my parents many times. Go take out the trash. Go wash the car. Go clean your room. Right? Go is one of the most familiar commands I'm, I'm used to. And this is why I had a little bit of rage in the seminary class when we were going over the original Greek and talking about this and found out that go was not the command. What? That's just a total violation of basic English. No, it's a lost in translation. To have a command, you have to have what? A command can only be what form of word? It has to be an action word. We call those verbs, right? How many verbs do we have in the sentence? Go, make, baptizing. And if we take the first word of verse 20, teaching, right? Got four active verbs. Which one's the command? If you go back to the Greek, I'm, I, I know I'm not going to make you answer this one because it's not in Greek and the whole thing. If, if you go back to the Greek, that first word go, properly translated, should be going. When you add ing to a verb, it's called a participle. That's all right. There's some online English classes you can take, YouTube, I'm sure. You can learn. I, when I took Greek, I had to learn English. Funny little thing that happened, right? It's actual participle. It says, going, therefore, make. Make is the command. Make is, you got to go build something. What are you building? Disciples. How are you doing it? By going, baptizing, and teaching. Our number one goal as a church of what we do is to know who we are first. Then we make disciples. We, do we do it by making them come to us or do we go to them? And we baptize them. That's just grab as many as you people you can, throw them in the water. There's a little more process to that, right? What about teaching? How long does teaching take? Ask a teacher. 
Some of, your, some of them will tell you, we're not sure it ever happens, <laughs> right? I've been working on this kid for years, right? Uh, ask a parent. Our job is to make disciples, folks. Is it to be a big church? Nope. Social justice? Nope. Have the best website? Have a comfortable chair? Have donuts? Have this? Blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. But are all of those tools we can use to make disciples? So when you're trying to teach them, when you're trying to get them to a point where they understand baptism, when they're trying to accept you when you go to them, how long will that take? How much effort on your part? Well, I'm just going to pray about it and trust the Lord that he's going to take care of them. What? I don't see that in there. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Sorry, I, I, I memorized it in another translation before the ESV came out. It's my little cross to bear. Verse 20 says, teaching them. Them being an active word, right? Number three, fellowships. God's church, fellowships. I'm not sure that's a word. Get over it. See, his church invests in community. His church invests in community. Uh, absolutely significant in verse 19 that it says, of all nations. Who's now important? And are we allowed to discriminate? No, it's against our job description. How do you minister? How do you disciple? How do you worship with people that are different than you? Carefully. How about with practice? We get better with it over time? For sure. You know, the, the pronoun them is used twice. Baptizing them, teaching them. Why? So that we remember that we're not the focus of the church. Oh yeah, well I'm a member of Rock Bible Church. Good for you. That means you have a long job description and very few rights or privileges. You get to do. You get to enjoy. Not dictate, direct, correct, complain, whine, or send emails that do. It's not the purpose of what we're doing. Right? We're trying to reach all nations. We're trying to fellowship with other people. You know what that means? Party. Are you fun to party with? Scott, what are you saying? Not in the world's definition of party. I mean, are you fun? Are you, not, are you enjoyable? Do people invite you? Or are you grumpy? I forgot to ask for a service. Of all the people to forget to ask, <laughs> are you grumpy? It's your second service extra. Do you know what heaven is? It's a fancy word for party. Enjoy. Blessing. You know that's the business that God's in? Are we inviting people to that? Do you fellowship with other people? 
I'm less worried about you than first service. And I, I say that jokingly, but I kind of almost say that the same uh, uh, in seriousness. Because a staff meeting, we have staff meetings Wednesday mornings right over there. Staff, we joke. Because uh, Howard this morning, or Bryce when he's leading, they'll say, okay, uh, that's it. There's donuts and coffee. There's restrooms over there. Now say hi to somebody. Right? Second service, 15 minutes later, you're still all standing. Things are, you're throwing stuff, laughing, patting each other on the back, hugging the whole thing, making lunch plans, the whole deal. First service, he said, say hi. Hi. Can we have the sermon now? You know what I mean? Do you invite people to your house? Do you smile at people? I was so convicted. I'm in the seminary class. Pastoral counseling, right? 16 weeks, 16 students. Every week, it's one student we focus on. And we're going to two hours on one student. You have to share for an hour. No one else is allowed to talk. The next 40 minutes, they ask you questions. And then the last 20 minutes, they all talk about you and you're not allowed to say a thing. Ooh, that hurts. What happens when no one volunteers to go first? No. Scott says, I'm tired of waiting. I'll go first. You know what came out in the 20 minutes? You know, after the first hour and 40 minutes were over? You don't seem to smile very much. <gasps> oh, I'm out. I'm quitting this class, right? No. I was like, wait, is that true? What am I projecting? Am I fellowship worthy or am I unapproachable? Standoffish. You look mean. You have resting grumpy face. <laughs> we were designed for fellowship, folks. First service didn't get that one either. Uh, number four. We do the first three so that we can get to number four. The church, God's church ministers. Go, make, baptize, teach, observe. Five different verbs in the last two verses, which means what? We're to minister. Wait, Scott, I thought you were the minister. Praise Jesus. You know what I found out? I read my job description. I am not responsible for all the ministering. How cool is that? My job is accomplishable because y'all are ministers. Ooh, bummer Sunday. You're supposed to do work. You're supposed to serve. You're supposed to say supposed to and not be lazy and sound ignorant. You're supposed to put out an effort. Elbow grease. Get your hands dirty. Show up. Donate. Lift. Carry. Stay. Wait. Apologize. Forgive. All those things. How do you make disciples? How do you train your kids to? You volunteer. Or you do ministry for a wage. But you work. How long are we to minister? And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. How long is that? Forever. 
when are you done, Scott? I, I have a little problem. A little, there's a little conversation that comes up once in a while. It's coming up more and more often now that I'm getting older and losing hair and more wrinkles and hair I have is turning white. Hey, uh, what are you doing for retirement? Y'all have plans for retirement, right? Congratulations. Have fun with that. If I'm a minister, when is my ministry over? I'm not sure I'm retiring. I don't know how that works. I'll figure the Lord will figure out when we get there. But I've heard this phrase, and it's encouraging to me, and I'm trying to hold on to it. Find something that you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. Right? What if that could be true about church for you? That working, putting out effort, uh, skinning your knee a little bit, sweating a little bit, putting a little more time than you thought, right? It's kind of like going to the hospital. The hospital never goes as the amount of time it was supposed to. You're always there longer than you thought, and it hurts more than you thought. Right? This is going to hurt a little. You liar. <laughs> so we got a minister. See, his church serves and sacrifices. His church serves and sacrifices. You know, I was at that church and just wasn't ministering to me. Whoops. What's wrong with that phrase? It's not the job, the church's job. The church's job is not to minister to you. It's to baptize them, teach them. Well, I'm not them. No, you're you. It's outward focus. Where do you serve? What sacrifices have you made? I mean, I know you know when to stand and when to sit. Beyond that, what's going on? See, I have this little thing. I kind of... And I try, it's back in my head. I try not to let it out too much because it scares people. I want church to be difficult. What? I thought you want to be gracious to all people and accept. You say welcoming all to worship. Yes. Welcome them all to difficult worship. I want it to cost something. I want them to work for it. I want them to think about it. I want them to spin on it for the next six days till they come back and we give them more to spin on. I want them to read it on their own once in a while. I want them to actually pray. I want them in a place that they serve or volunteer. I want them to donate and I want them to call this place their church. You know, the fastest way to get me to correct you is for you to say to me, your church. Anybody ever done Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever done that to me? What do I do? You mean our church? People do that to me all the time. Like it's my church. We firmly established last week, not my church. Right? Got that off my job description too. It's Christ's church and it's our church. It needs to be difficult, not easy. If it's easy for you to be here, you're healing or you're getting better. But if you're fine and it's easy for you to be here, you're in the wrong church. This needs to be the church where you do something, right? Because the church it is more than is, it does, right? So one, worships. Two, disciples. Three, fellowships. Four, ministers. Lastly, God's church witnesses. 
His church invites others to God. Go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We're doing the first four so that we can do number five. We're drawing people in that God's still alive and well, that he does answer prayer. He is listening. He's more than active, absolutely capable. And people should want to come in here because they know you. I got a friend. I'm hoping to continue to call him a friend, but I'm giving him such a hard time lately because not long ago, he left something with me and forgot it. He said, I need to come pick it up. I said, no problem. Meet me at 4100 First Street in Pleasanton at noon on a Sunday. We're doing worship. He gets to the back door, starts to open, pokes his head. Ah! Shuts the door and leaves. He wouldn't come in. I said, what's wrong with you? You're scared of church people? No problem, so am I. I go anyways. When you walk in, lightning's not going to strike. You'll be fine. And you know what? You'll actually learn something. You'll enjoy yourself. They're great. So I've been giving them this hard time. Can't even walk into church. Pansy. <laughs> Teasing him like crazy. Yeah, I, but I'm wondering to myself, what is it that I failed to do that he was unwilling to walk in the church? Okay, maybe it's not me. Maybe it is him. But what more can I do to be a witness? What more can I do to work with him, work on him, other people? How do I get my family to church? How do I teach my kids to do the same? How do I carry myself in public? How do I post? Don't post anything. Right? Be encouraging. Positive and encouraging. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Last verse, and then I'm going to show you some pictures. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and was being what? Built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. We're supposed to grow, folks. Our job is to do things in children's ministry, in student ministry, in mission ministry, in in-house ministry, in our facility on social media and with men, with women, with ducks, as many ways as we possibly can. You see, we can't be a chainsaw that's never been used, that looks good and is probably super capable. It's got numbers and letters on it and stuff. Recently bought this chainsaw. Family cabin had a compromising situation. I have some pictures I would like to take you through. Here you go. This is me with the uh, chainsaw and my hat pointing to the Lord. <laughs> I'm all excited, right? Uh, my wife took this picture, and then I, I, we got all this because we had a problem. Here's the problem. Bing. There's a little oak tree in the foreground, but in the background, we have this huge pine tree that fell on other oak tree. So we had two big oak trees. One of them fell, right? Three years of drought and then heavy rain and ice instead of too much weight, but my root structure compromised, oak tree goes down. Then pine tree goes down. Pine tree's absolutely huge, falls on huge oak tree. Now, 
We have very few policies at Rock Bible Church, but I'm going to give you one of them right now. Oak trees are up here. Pine trees, not so much. Okay, you have a choice? Always pick the oak. So you get this huge pine tree falling in this oak tree, so you got to do something about it, right? So buy a chainsaw, jump up in the tree. Boom. Climb up there, start cutting branches. Why? Because the chainsaw needs to be used. There's nothing like a brand new chainsaw with a nice sharp saw on it and just cutting through branches like butter. Having a great time. Right? Here's the next picture of me. What's not in my hand? Whoops. Why would you climb a tree and hope that the branches come off unless you have a chainsaw? There's no chainsaw, right? Wrong. There's a chainsaw in the picture. Can you find it? Where's Waldo? It's right below my feet. There it is, dangling in the air. So usually when you have a branch and you cut it on the top, the weight as you start to cut it will take the branch down and the branch goes down. Unless the branch is pinned on the other side to the oak tree and you don't know it, then as you start to cut it, it's trying to go down and it actually pinches the saw and now you're stuck up in a tree. Whoops. No chainsaw. This is me trying to figure out uh, the previous one was me trying to figure out where is that branch pinched so that I get my chainsaw back. You know, I had zero complaints about the chainsaw. Wasn't the chainsaw's fault? Chainsaw was trying to do work, and I pinched the saw. So I figured out if we go back to that one. So uh, you see how all the ones that I've cut, I left them about two to three feet long. That's so that I have handles because I'm not 18 anymore, climbing up and down. There's a couple on the other side of the thing that you can't see, and that branch that it's pinched on is really kind of on the other side of the thing. So I hung myself down. I, I got my arm, one on each, uh, two different branches, and I'm pushing on that branch to try and kick it to fall off so I can get the chainsaw off, right? You know that old adage, never cut the branch you're standing on? <laughs> now, uh, praise the Lord, my wife was inside. Don't tell her, okay? But I'm hanging on there, and I'm kicking at this, this branch, and it won't go, right? And finally, I'm getting frustrated. I thought, you know, i got to stand on the branch with one foot, put my weight on it. you got to use your assets, right? And I'll kick, it with, I'll kick the chainsaw with the other foot while I'm holding myself up. Then I can get the chainsaw out because of the change of pressure and the whole thing. And you know what? It worked. Like the first or second kick, boom, there goes the chainsaw and the whole thing. I had tied a little bungee to it so it wouldn't fall all the way to the ground. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a sense of accomplishment. This has actually worked. I'm feeling so good. And then I'm hanging there on the two branches and I'm looking at this branch and I'm looking, man, I cut almost all the way through that branch. I don't understand why it's cut so far. It seems like if I just went bang, boom. And now I'm hanging by just my two arms. Was it the chainsaw's fault? No. Knucklehead didn't follow the rules. <laughs> Julie's inside the cabin, and literally, for about five minutes, I'm hanging there by two arms on this thing, trying to figure out, okay, the main trunk of the tree is above me. How am I going to... I finally got my leg up onto another branch, and like, nah, 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 nah. it took me like six minutes to get up on the top. Then I spent ten minutes catching my breath. Wondering, should I tell my wife? <laughs> a 
The chainsaw has to be used to be of value. The church has to be used to be of value. Don't blame the church. Blame how you use the church. And never pinch the church. Amen? Here's the question. What are you doing? What do you need to do? How are you growing in faith and practice? We're going to talk about that a little bit in about eight minutes. Amen? But here's your prayer for today. Lord, where are you calling me? Because I need to be active rather than a consumer. Help me do that. Let's pray. Lord, thanks. <laughs> thanks for keeping me alive. Uh, thanks for what you teach us about yourself and your church and your people. Thanks that it works if we'll look at it. Help, help us to ask how soon it will work rather than how long it will take. Show us that there's great things for us to enjoy and accomplish. Ways that we can be a blessing to others. When we glorify and honor you actively in acknowledgement. Pray for each person in this room, Lord, that you would challenge them as to where they could be called to compel themselves and others to you. Thank you for, about what, for what we're about to share in our next meeting. Thank you for all you've done. And we thank you for our offering and ask that you would use it to help us continue to do your work. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.